Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and... Welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Now, later on in the hour, if we have time, I want to give myself something of a, well, a a pat on the back. That's right. You've heard me say for some years now that we desperately need a commissioner of youth and amateur sports in this country. And, well, quite frankly, chances are you're probably getting tired of me preaching how important this is. Well, wait until I tell you what I read the other day from a couple of well-respected Big Ten head football coaches about how they feel that college sports and recruiting is just out of control with no boundaries. My point? Clearly other people besides myself are worried about where we're going with youth and amateur sports. But first up, I want to talk with you about the growing concerns regarding heading a soccer ball and concussions. Now look, for for well over a decade now, we've all learned about the devastating long-term effects of repeated hits to the head, concussions in football. Football fans, players, coaches, parents have all become too familiar with the medical term CTE, which is an acronym for chronic traumatic encephalopathy. CTE is associated with dementia and how a player's brain can be altered in all sorts of terrible ways due to repeated hits to the head. But as we've watched this unfold and have heard about some top former football players, both at the NFL or collegiate level, and how they've suffered, and in some cases have even ended their own lives, our attention has been primarily focused on football and concussions. Yet many sports parents and fans, you know, understandably wonder whether this kind of medical concern also shows up in other contact sports. And of course it does. Sports like uh, like ice hockey, uh, baseball, lacrosse, and yes, of course, soccer. There have been more and more official pronouncements in recent years that soccer players and coaches need to take notice that the repetitive hitting heading of a soccer ball is now being directly linked to CTE buildup in one's brain, just like concussions in football. In fact, there was an article in the New York Times last week by Rory Smith that over in England, uh, their football association has just instituted a trial program 
in which players under the age of 12 will not be allowed to head a soccer ball in practice. The football association over there will decide in a couple of years whether this will become a permanent rule. Again, in England, a trial program, players, soccer players under the age of 12 will not be allowed to practice heading a soccer ball. Once players begin to hit their teenage years, again, this is over in the UK, heading will, be, um, will be, still be gradually introduced into the repertoire of skills, but still in a limited way. Because since 2020, the Football Association in England, their guidelines have recommended that all players, including professionals, should be exposed to no more than 10 high-force headers a week in practice. What will eventually happen? That heading will fade away from the sport of soccer? Maybe. In light of all these concussions, that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, one study in 2019 found that soccer players, with the exception of goalkeepers, which I find kind of surprising, but there are three and a half times more likely to suffer from a neurodegenerative disease than the general population. Again, that's a study from 2018 about soccer players. In fact, there are studies that show that soccer concussions are right in the top five of all sports causing head injuries, and that with female athletes in particular, soccer concussions lead the way. Look, there's a lot of stuff swirling around about this debate about heading a soccer ball, and it's really beginning to get more and more attention. So on this morning's show, I want to talk about this issue and get your thoughts as well. Of course, our number is 877-337-6666. And to help us in our discussion, I've asked Matt Allen, the, the highly respected, very successful head boy soccer coach at Byram Hills High School in Armagh, New York, to talk about this. Matt's resume speaks for itself. He's won 310 games as the head coach in just 23 years, including seven Section 1 championships and one New York State championship. He has sent numerous players from his program on to compete at the collegiate level. Matt, good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning to talk about this important topic. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, look, let's get into this because obviously you, you're living this in the sense that you've got kids uh, in your program and you know that these things happen. The issue of head injuries in soccer, it isn't all that new. But let me ask you, I mean, do you feel like I just mentioned that the heading should be eliminated at the youth level as they seem to be trying to do over in England? Yeah, it's a, it's a topic that's been around since, you know, since 2016 uh, with that lawsuit out in California that. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But yes, I mean, this is this is. But it's happening. I mean, what do you think about all this? I mean, clearly this has to have made you sit there and think, okay, what do I do with these kids? I mean, heading is still allowed, clearly, yeah, at the high school level. At the high school level, heading is still allowed. I, I will say, in, in talking to several coaches in Section 1, that heading is not exactly a, a practice priority uh, for a lot of people. It's a little bit of a, a liability. You know, I, I remember as a kid, you know, playing in the, in the field and goalies would punt balls out and you would receive them off of your head. It was like a, a sign of, of bravery um, to do that in a sense of pride. Um, you don't really see that anymore. I, I think several coaches, including myself, have kind of shied away from it, especially with the heightened, um, you know, the heightened um, sense of what could happen, uh, not just liability wise, but also for kids to not be, to not be heading a ball. And, um, you know, with that, we have seen, you know, America's a little bit farther ahead than England. We, we've had this rule put in place, uh, for several years now, where kids under the age of 10 cannot head a soccer ball at the youth level, and then it's gradually implemented 
where no more than a, than a half hour or, or a week could be spent on headings. So mm-hmm. it's something that we have seen come through the pipeline for the last couple of years. Yeah, you mentioned, and we're talking this morning with Matt Allen, uh, you, you mentioned that there was a major class action lawsuit back in 2015, 2016, where mm-hmm. heading was in fact outlawed from uh, being taught to kids under the age of 10 in the United States. Uh, in doing my research for the show, I mean, United States District Court in California, <clears throat> excuse me, that that sought rule changes preventing head injuries. That lawsuit pre- uh, charged that FIFA, U.S. Soccer, and the American Youth Soccer Organization with negligence for not addressing this issue earlier. I mean, so basically that was like the, the sort of turning point you just said here in the States. Um, but again, I mean, kids, kids see professional soccer players heading balls uh they it so becomes sort of natural how, how do you do you do you sit down and talk to the kids um when they come to to your high school program do you talk about um, is there a proper way to head a soccer ball is is there some way to minimize this what, what do you what do you tell them well there is and you know it, it, u.s soccer pushed this um piece of legislation through and, and the youth clubs you know around westchester rockland county they they can decide what elements of that um, piece of legislation they could put through. So there's some clubs that under the age of 12, you can't head. There's some that it's 11 and a half. There's some that, you know, make the shift at 11. So it's, it's all sort of uh, following the same idea, but at the high school level, what, what my assistant coach and I have found is that the kids really don't know how to properly uh, head a soccer ball. And that's from a lack of training. And, and that, that makes it a little bit more dangerous at the high school level where you see kids really, attacking the ball in, in, in the wrong way where you, you want them to hit it at a certain point of their head. There's only a small radius right at the head, at the, at the hairline where you want them to strike a ball. And, and these kids don't really know how to do that. And so we spend a lot of time teaching them either using a softer ball or sometimes what we'll do is we'll have them on their knees and heading a soccer ball back. So we start very small increments with training, whereas, you know, you know, 15 years ago, we would just get out and be like, why aren't you heading the soccer ball, you know? And I think it also changes the dynamic on direct kicks. It changes the dynamic on corner kicks. And so it makes things a little bit more difficult when you have to now reteach this skill at a very um, advanced age. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. It, it seems kind of, on one hand, you know, this rule over in, uh, in, in England, and they're saying, okay, we're no longer kids on edge of tank and can head a ball in practice. And, of course, there's been a lot of this going on here in the States. But it's sort of counterproductive because if heading is part of the game and nobody has come forth and said, I think we should just abolish heading at the high school or at the club level or at the collegiate level, nobody said that. But if you're not going to teach kids the proper way to head a ball, assuming there is, in fact, the proper way to head a soccer ball. By the time they get to your program, you, as you said, you've got to spend time with your, with your coaching staff and trying to teach kids how to, how to head a ball the right way so they don't or they minimize any injury to their, to their head and to their brain. Um, you know, it, it's, it just seems kind of counterproductive, does it not? Well, right, because you're not changing the, the rules of the game, uh, especially – with the fact that you have two plays in the sport, a direct kick and a, and, a, and a corner kick, which for the most part are geared are geared towards that. Um, and remember, it, it's not just heading; it's really more of an in, using an intentional header. Yes. And that's you know, and the other thing that's a part of this is that a lot of concussions don't come from directly heading a ball. A lot of them come from the contact. <laughs> and some of it, some of the things that I've seen, it comes from the contact when two kids are going up for heading a yes. ball. Yes. Yes. And so that's hard to address. 
Hey, Matt, I was just going to, I'm looking at my notes here, I'm thinking, I got to ask Matt about that, because clearly with corner kicks in high school, you know, there's a, there's a scrum in front of the net as guys are trying to jockey the position to get up in the air. Sometimes it's not the soccer ball that they, they hit, it's the opponent's head they hit, right. and that causes concussions. And, you know, that's just a part of the game. I mean, I, don't, I mean... I know kids right. today, some kids wear uh, protective headbands or, or some kids wear protective helmets, but I, I have not seen that those things do any great help in terms of mm -hmm. preventing concussions. Have you? No, in fact, you know, I was talking to the, the, the head of the state, uh, Mike Andrew, just recently we were talking about this topic, and he said, you know, there's really no headgear or no headdress that you could wear that's going to protect you um i've had several players wear the halo which is kind of like a, a headband that goes around your head with a protective piece that's right in front of your forehead and i think a lot of kids wear that for psychological reasons not necessarily for uh concussion reasons but i think it you know it helps them feel a little bit more confident um but ultimately there isn't a piece of equipment out there that's 100 percent proven to limit concussions when the ball is striking striking their head and there's a lot of evidence out there you mentioned a 2019 study university of wisconsin did the same thing yep. and they discovered that there was no real headgear that was going to protect the head from uh, from a concussion which sounds obviously very parallel to the discussion about uh, helmets in football there is no there's no helmet on the market today that prevents concussions to a kid there have been lots of different attempts different types of styles and uh, different right. types of research but there's no way to prevent a, uh, a concussion in football and there's no way apparently to prevent a concussion in soccer with these other types of you know uh, head protective gear that kids are trying to uh, experiment with my guest is matt allen he's a longtime uh, head boy soccer coach at byram hills high school in armock new york uh, we're talking about this issue with heading and obviously every sports parent uh, who loves their kid to play soccer this is something they have to be concerned about uh, because it's out there and um, the research is is building and building there is no definitive uh, answer yet but there are obviously lots of questions worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast back here on the sports edge we're talking this morning with matt allen he is the highly successful highly respected head boys soccer coach at byram hills high school in westchester county we're talking about this ongoing debate about about heading a soccer ball and what can be done, if anything, to protect kids uh, from from brain injury, quite frankly. It has to do with concussions. And I'm taking your calls at 877-337-6666. And, Matt, before we get to our callers in a second here, you just told me over the break that New York State is now really getting involved in this and trying to get to uh, some solutions. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that article from the New York Times kind of um, spurred on some discussions up at the uh, discussion discussions of executive directors and, and state coordinators at Lake Placid, um, you know, the big discussion about how to I- improve our athletes' ability to avoid concussions. You know, the big discussion, I think, was more focused probably around uh, girls lacrosse, I think, wearing the, the helmet in girls lacrosse is really the closest discussion to have right. towards this. But there was a mention uh, of boys' soccer potentially wearing helmets, Um it wasn't a discussion that I think really hit the mainstream in, in the room, but it was definitely brought up. You know, the, the, the modified teams used to have helmets that they would wear uh, in, in goal, uh, but those those helmets have been since removed. They're now optional for, for players to wear. It's really up to the school to wear. That was something that they got rid of a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's obviously we're looking at this in terms of trial and error, and and it's it's uh, maybe now at least all the attention being focused on this issue. Maybe now we'll get some real, uh, not just uh, uh, you know in terms of this country, but almost universal worldwide attention paid about about uh, headers and what can be done and what's the right protocol and what have you. Um, in fact, um, let's get some calls. I know I promised our listeners would get to it. And let's start with Paul over in Manalapan, New Jersey. Paul, good morning. You're first up on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick and Matt. Um, just just a quick question. You guys covered it uh, in your open there. But the, the thing, Rick, that you mentioned in the U.K. with stopping the kids from heading in practice, yep. but does that mean that they can still head during games? And if so, you guys kind of – kind of pointed out the mismatch there you're not teaching them the right way to do it during practice but you're going to allow them to do that in games here in new jersey i think at that at that lower younger level 
they weren't allowing, they weren't, at least a few years ago when I was refing, they weren't allowed, allowing kids to, to head in games either. Um, I was just wondering if, if you had, if you had read that, like, are, can the kids still head during games? Cause that doesn't seem right. Yeah, it's, uh, Paul, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, it, that was unclear from the article, but it certainly seemed to suggest that if you're not going to allow kids to practice uh, doing headers under the age of 10, there's no reason to allow them to do it in games. Uh, that would be counterproductive because they have no training. And to Matt's point, yeah, he's, he just said before that, you know, there are, he's got kids now coming through the program who really don't have much experience in the proper technique to head a soccer ball. Yeah, Paul. Thank you for the call. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Edison, New Jersey. Rafi, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Um, unfortunately, I've been through this a little bit. My daughter got uh, hit in the face with a soccer ball in a practice and caused a concussion that's uh, created headaches for for months. And going through the process and talking to different doctors, it turns out that women's soccer, girls' soccer, uh, there's a much greater incidence of concussions and the greatest cause of concussions for those girls is apparently not from heading, but rather from having contact with the, the ground, yeah. seeing their heads on the ground. Right. Um, and right. I think that having the uh, so many more turf fields at the higher levels of play than we had in the past is exacerbating that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, and we sort of, uh, Matt and I sort of hinted at this, that it's not just about the, the headers that are causing concussions. And yes, uh, of all the sports that uh, girls, women play, soccer is the number one in terms of uh, concussions. But yeah, Rafi, as I said, it can come from just uh, contact with another player, a contact with a ball that, you know, like with your own daughter, hit her in the face, uh, or contact with the ground. They fall down, hit their head, and if it's a artificial turf field, it doesn't have the same kind of give, obviously, as natural grass does. These are real concerns. Concussions are, are you know, again, concussions have been around for a long time, but at least now we're paying, paying more and more attention to that. And Rafi, thank you for the call, and good luck with your daughter. You know, uh, I do want to mention, uh, Matt, uh, before we get back to our calls, there was yet uh, a new study out of Purdue University that says one of the major reasons why headers result in concussions is that the soccer ball is often overinflated. And when the ball is overinflated, it makes it really, really hard when it makes contact with one's head. And in, also they mentioned that, which I was not aware of, I'm sure you are, that when a soccer ball gets wet uh, on a rainy day, the extra moisture that gets absorbed into the ball, that adds a dangerous kind of wallop to one's head as well. Um, so, I mean, are, are you guys even aware that they, the, the refs or the coaches, do you lower the inflation rate on the soccer balls and you don't use the wet soccer balls in games or practices? Yeah, it's interesting that, that Purdue University study was the one that said that uh, 22% of the concussions come from from head balls. You know, Rafi made a good point, uh, and I'm sorry for, for what his daughter's going through, but, you know, I think the size of the turf fields have changed a little bit of the game. Uh, you're going to be playing a little bit more of a flighted ball into areas, where, as opposed to on a smaller field than the grass fields, you don't really see that as much, and plus the ground is a little bit more uh, of a give. Uh, to answer your question about the PSI of a ball, uh, there's a wide range of the PSI that you could use you know, you could range anywhere between eight and a half and eleven and a half, but I, I don't see at the high school level um, kids or, or coaches reducing the PSI um, in the soccer ball in order to avoid concussions. In, in fact, to be honest, I think for a lot of the athletes, especially at Byram Hills, they, they want a fully inflated ball so they could strike it a little bit more pure. If, if anything, I've seen 
games go the other way where balls are taken off the field if they are not filled, you know, properly yeah. of sorts. You know, obviously, if the ball is not fully inflated, as you said, I mean, you get a, a, a bigger a bigger bang off one's head to direct the ball sharply. Right. But if it's a little soft, the ball is not going to travel as far. It's, it's, gonna, it's not going to roll as quickly. Those are real concerns. Right. I mean, you have, you do have options in training where you could reduce the size of a ball from a 5 to a 4. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 10 to 12, you could do things like that. Um, but again, at the high school level, you don't really – you don't really see that. What have you? What about this? Uh, the whole theory they have at Purdue about this, the soccer balls when they get moist or wet, they become almost like um, like bricks uh, to head. Is is that something you've ever noticed? It's not something that uh, that I've noticed. I don't see much of a difference uh, there. If if anything, when when the ball is wet, you see more of a glancing blow off off of a head rather than a little bit more direct. Um, but no, I don't. I haven't seen anything different as far as the ball being a sponge. I mean, the, the ball that we use, the Spalding 5, that we use is a, is a pretty decent ball that you don't really see that occurring. Yeah, I, I, had not, I had not heard that before about the fact that the soccer ball gets wet and it gets added uh, weight and it becomes more of a, almost like a, like a weapon to hit it off one's head. But again, <laughs> swirling around this, and before we get to our next caller, is, is it a sense that, that – um, that soccer wants to get away from headers, that they just think that that should be removed from the game. I gather that's not, we have not reached that point yet, Matt. Is that correct? No, I don't think we've reached that point. I I think what we're getting at is that when the the brain is developing at the young age, that's where you're seeing it. I I, I think it'd be really far-fetched to start eliminating head balls and from, uh, from the game outright, especially when a lot of the data shows that the majority of concussions are coming from, you know, later on uh, in different formats uh, of the game, you know, where you're going up for a ball or, or like uh, Rafi said, hitting the, hitting the floor. So, and, and until you see that, uh, I, I really don't think there's going to be a, a massive change in the game. Okay. Let's, uh, let's continue on. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. I know you coach soccer for a long time. What are your thoughts about this? Well, you know, heading was such a, a big part of the game. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that I've always known and studied, you know, as a health teacher is that little concussions grow to be big concussions. And, you know, and I mean, and you don't even have to have contact with your head to create a concussion. Um, you know, whiplash can create concussions. You know, when you talked about the helmets, you know, you are absolutely 100% correct. Helmets don't, don't stop concussions. They stop your skull from breaking. But the point is, is that, you know, heading is a big part of the game and we have to prevent it. Like in football now, I mean, when you talk about concussions, and I believe this was done because of concussions, there's only a limited amount of time during the week that you're allowed to have contact. I mean, Dartmouth University, they don't have contact all year, all season long in practice. Right. They they actually they actually tackle dummies you know and and robotic dummies and you know and the funny thing about that is um, I was just told yesterday by by the assistant head coach of Fordham University they have the least amount of injuries um, and 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 they lead the league every year in the Ivy League in tackles so yeah. I mean it's something that you know you got to consider when I yeah. trained and I taught heading I used the Nerf ball. I mean, I knew, you know, I, I played soccer in high school and college, and, and in high school, at one year, I led the, I led the, the league in scoring, and I'm going to tell you that six of my 13 or 14 goals that year, 
I hit with my head, and I don't think I ever hit it with the with the hairline, the forehead, and the front of the head. So you know, mm-hmm. concussions are are very big right now, and it's something that you know what's more important. Uh, heading a soccer ball into a goal or the safety of our kids because this does come back to haunt us or people with concussions comes back to haunt us and uh, haunt them in the future. Um, you know, I remember having headaches after soccer games. I really do, you know, and, you know, and they went away, of course, but the concussion really didn't go away. You know, it healed, but it never really went away. So, you know, when, when you're concussing the head, it's a it's a difficult thing to do, but I like like Matt said, I don't ever see them taking heading out of soccer. You know, to to not hit in practice and then to head in a game that makes no sense. But in football, they're doing that. They're not tackling and they're tackling in football games. So you know, I you know I'm a strong believer in heading the soccer ball, but I'm also a strong believer it's more about the safety of youth than it is you know being able to head a soccer ball or. Or um, you know any anything like that. It, it's yeah. a, it's a tough situation because it is a big part of the game. No question, you know? and, no question, Jack. And I'm and glad it, you mentioned about uh, again. It's not it's not soccer. It's football. But yeah, Dartmouth did implement uh, no contact uh, in its practice sessions, uh, which at the time a few years ago was just uh, extraordinary. But it's obviously paid off in dividends uh, because they have their much fewer concussions. Uh, their, their team is doing well. Um, and, and obviously it seems to be a lot of teams are now paying attention to them, not just in the Ivy League, but other schools as well, even in the NFL. It, it's extraordinary you know, what, what, what this impact of concussion discussion is having on, on our sports. Jack, i got to take a break. Thank you so much for the call. Hey, Matt, can you stay on for can you stay on for a couple more minutes, Matt? I want to take a more calls sure. for you. Okay, we're talking with okay. Matt Allen. We're talking about what, what's, what's the future of heading and soccer. Hey, friends, uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf. And, uh, by the way, my thanks to all of you who, uh, who send me tweets uh, regarding the various issues and topics that we do, in fact, cover on this show. That's, uh, that's very nice of you, and I appreciate it greatly. And, of course, you know my website at AskCoachWolf.com. We're continuing our conversation about heading a soccer ball and concussions and my guest this morning is Matt Allen uh, the longtime very successful head coach at uh, the boys team at Byram Hills High School uh, you know and, and well let's get back to our calls Matt because obviously we're, we're running out of time here let's go to uh, let's go to uh, Harrison and Felix is standing by Felix good morning you're on the fan yes hey guys how are you good Felix um, my daughter is in the first um her team is now academy. They were pre-academy. Now they're in academy. It's the seventh grade. It's the first year that they can head the ball. And and I hear your concerns. And, you know, my, my wife and I have the same concerns. I'm involved in high school football, and I know all the things we've had to done. I mean, had to do, and it made sense with the less contact, with, with the padded helmets in practice and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. But is it feasible in girls, I mean, in soccer in general, to wear something, a soft cap or something, for helmet, it'll, it'll become rid- ridiculous. But is it feasible? I'm not a soccer person. I followed my daughter through a whole soccer. But um, is it a feasible thing to come up with something to put over their head? Because it's not just heading the ball, as you said. It's falling down. It's banging into their teammates. I've seen her friends get, get concussions, and we weren't even allowed to head yet. 
So I'm mm-hmm. sorry, that's what I was asking. Yeah, okay, that's a good question. Uh, and, and Felix, thank you for the call. Matt, what about this? I mean, I mean, we've had this conversation. I gather there's nothing really that is totally 100% protective that can be worn. Is that, is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, there isn't. The, there isn't. The, the halo that goes around the head was worn by one of my players. I will tell you that it, it gave him two things. One is it gave him a little bit more confidence in, in attacking a ball, which is kind of what you want to do when you head it. Number two is um, it also provided him with a, a, a sense, really a psychological sense uh, of strength, really, and I think it helped him out. He was a player of mine who had a concussion that um, that his parents wanted him to wear it, so he wore it, and it just made him a little bit more comfortable on the field. But it's not really protecting him, but it's giving him the the confidence to go and attack a ball rather than the ball kind of kind of hit him. You know, it's interesting because yesterday it came out in in the paper that uh, the Robert Sala had was talking about the the internal shell of a football helmet and how it's actually having his players be more aggressive leading with their heads because they feel a little bit more comfor- comfortable. And I, I wonder if maybe a headdress might, a, a headband or a headgear would actually do that for players where you now see it the other way. Well, now they feel protected where now they could go and, and head the ball a little bit more than they usually would. Yeah. I, you know, um, it, it's, again, this is one of the situations where more research is necessary. And you mentioned early on, about the parallels to uh, to lacrosse and uh, you know, girls women's lacrosse, and you know that's an ongoing debate whether they should wear headgear to pre- prevent uh, or protect them from concussions. And there's a school of thought about that that uh, when they wear headgear, that makes them gives them sort of empowers them to be even more aggressive, uh, which can theoretically lead to more concussions either with them or with other players. It, it's a very right slippery slope and also i i was reading an article in a, a psychological journal this past week about what happens to kids the, the the sort of sort of psychological barrier they face when they come back to play whether it's soccer or football whatever sport it may be if they've had a concussion that the kids the kids today know that concussions are not good and they know that repeated concussions are even worse. So there's, there's a whole sort of new study being conducted about what we what do we tell what do we tell kids who are coming back to play after even though they've been cleared by right. by a physician, all of a sudden they're going to be a little tentative to get back into the fray. And Matt, have you yeah, seen and, that at all? Yes, and it's really changed the way we we practice. Um, no long gone are the days where you where you have a heading drill. We don't do that anymore now. If we're doing any heading, it's coming in the relative scheme of practice and the relative play of practice rather than specializing. Okay, today we're going to work on heading. Today we throw the ball directly up in the air and, and you head the ball. And I remember doing that as a kid. It's really changed the way that, that, that we have practiced. So, and, and also there's a huge awareness now where now you have, you know, when a kid gets hit in the head in the soccer game, he's coming off the field. The referee is sending him off. He's seeing a trainer. He's seeing a medical doctor. We now have concussion protocols um you know we have the test that you give after a concussion so the heightened awareness i think has changed the way that i approach my soccer practice and i think it's also changed the way that section one has really changed your soccer practice where you see a lot more you know especially on corner kicks you see a lot more lower balls you see short corners there's ways around it um but yeah there's been a change i mean now when a goalie punches the ball you, you see a lot of kids kind of taking it off their chest or trying to trap it down you don't see that 
maybe 10, 15 years ago where you're going to head the ball back 20 to 30 yards. Yeah, I hear you. So obviously there is some progress, some modifications that are, are you know, quietly uh, filling the game, and obviously that's, that's all for the better. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's continue. Uh, let's go to, uh, to Rob, uh, Rob Freed, Dr. Freed, out in Lake Success. Hey, you know, Rob, Rick, good morning. Um, they, anytime I hear medical issues, I, my light up here. Being a physician, <laughs> I, I love when we touch on the medical stuff. And, you know, I, I guess I owe my running career to soccer because I tell my MCL, and after I had a rehab, and I realized I, uh, I could become a pretty good runner from rehabilitation. But, Coach, I was just thinking about everything that's going on. And, number one, the anatomy, what's basically, what is, what is a concussion? Well, basically, it's a brain bruise. The, the brain is actually butting up against the skull, and, that's, and they are cumulative. And that's the thing that we have to understand, that any time you get a concussion, it stays with you. Even though you heal and, and, and the brain will eventually, you know, get better, it's still a cumulative effect. So when you heard, had a previous caller about different types of headgear, you could get a concussion from falling down, from sitting in your car, getting hit, rear-ended. It, the whiplash, it's, it, it's the snapping of the brain moving forward, butting up against the skull, which causes the bruise, which obviously causes the damage. So I don't really think any type of headgear will ever, in football and anything, get rid of it. I think what it will, like what Jack said, it will prevent skull injuries, okay, because now you have some type of protection. Boxes, you know, when, they, when they're sparring, they wear something around their head. Even in amateur boxing in the Olympics, they used to wear a, a, some type of a gear. This is something uh, that is going to be very dangerous continually going forward. But I was just thinking about something. Because soccer in the United States, we are a hand-eye coordination uh, country. And there's so many skills involved in the game of soccer using your feet. This is something that Americans really are, are not used to because all of our sports are hand-eye coordination. And we have so much, we can spend so much time going forward, Coach, Alan, teaching the kids the proper technique in, mm-hmm. in all the, the whole game because you could get into the heading later on. Once the skull is formed, once the, the, the plates have closed, the growth plates have closed, you could always introduce an R country. Now, England being that the founder of soccer, if they're going in this direction, shouldn't that just show us as Americans, hey, they invented the game, and they know the game better than, than we do, even though we're getting a lot better when we're <laughs> catching up. Uh, this is something that we could reinstitute later on heading. What's your guys' thoughts on my, on what I was had to say? Uh, interesting thoughts, Robin. Thank you, as always, for your call. Matt, you know, I, mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, American soccer players obviously um, have progressed a long way in just the last 20, 30 years to be competitive now. Uh, obviously, the women, of course, are, are premier, and the men are making some progress finally. But clearly, you know, there's a whole, several generations of pretty good soccer players in this country, and they're aware of these concerns. Uh, sure, and I, and I think it, when it comes to this, I, I actually think we've been more at the forefront than England has. We're We've been ahead of him in this case, which is kind of interesting because we usually follow along with what the premiership of what English soccer is doing, you know, but, you know, we have players, former players like Bruce Murray from the 1990 World Cup who suffered concussions and, and is showing early signs of dementia and has really brought this to light. So we put in this rule, and, and, and I shouldn't say we, but the United States Soccer has put this rule in, in 2016. We're, we're ahead of it. Yes. Um, and now you're starting to see those players come up through the high school ranks and now they have to be trained very gradually on how to head a ball. So, I mean, we, we're we there. Uh, it's just a question of going forward from ages 12 to 18, what is going to be the next step when it comes down to trying to limit concussions um, in that realm of age where their brain are still developed, is still developing. 
Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right on target on that. Uh, let's take one more call. Let's go to Lou in Lindbrook. Lou, good morning. Uh, I know, Lou, you coach soccer, so tell me your thoughts about heading. Well, believe it or not, I'm not a traditionalist. I don't believe you should be heading a ball on a high school level because oh. I feel that it's too dangerous and that uh, no matter what, there's damage being done all over. Uh, maybe on the college uh, – I would make a ramification. I would say that only in overtime could you head the ball. <laughs> only in overtime could you head the ball. But then people would have to wear all helmets. I'm sorry, the, those cushiony type of helmets uh, for overtime in order to head the ball. I mean, you, you feel pretty strongly about this, obviously. This is, that's a pretty yes. strong, uh, you know, uh, radical suggestions. Yes, it is. And I've been doing this for 40 years, Rick. Uh, I've seen too many... Too many problems, too many injuries. You don't see the injury during the game, but after the game, all of a sudden, let's say you play a team twice, all of a sudden the second game, the kid doesn't play because he had his, has a head injury. Then his parents get involved. His parents don't want him to play the sport anymore. Hmm. So Yeah, I, mean, I just don't know if we could – I'm not a big fan of changing the rules for a specific time period of play. Yeah. Um, it's almost like pulling players off the field for overtime. It's kind of unnatural. I don't – I'm not a fan of changing it now as far as getting behind not heading at the high school level. Um, the difficult part on that is that you're still not eliminating the idea of the concussion. You're, you're eliminating a certain part of it. And you have to also understand that flighted balls that come your way, you're now asking players to make adjustments midair to change what they are going to do. And now you're talking about perhaps a whole different set of injury where kids now going backwards to try to take it off his chest and collisions happen. And so you're now asking for coaches and for teams and for players to kind of change their perspective on, on a flighted ball, really. You're telling them to keep it, you know, at knee level um, rather than having a flight of ball. It kind of changes your, your approach when it comes down to coaching. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think, Lou, uh, you know, Matt, uh, you just said before that you think the real focal point is going to be with kids ages 12 through 18, which I guess would encompass, obviously, high school, of course. Is I guess that's where we want to see how this sort of plays out. Um, and, Lou, th thank you, as always, for your thoughts. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Matt, before I let you go, I mean, that's that's going to be the telltale ages, right, when, when the kids are starting to really play at the high school or heading into college, correct? Right. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, at, at soccer conventions and, and USSF and, and how do they train coaches between the ages of 12 and 18 on how to properly head a soccer ball or how to make this happen in practice. And I think that's kind of the next stage. I, I don't think you're going to see the elimination of the head ball, yeah. but you're definitely going to see a change in perhaps in, in tactic where you're going to now have coaches kind of saying, okay, maybe now we should hit the ball low here, or maybe when we drive the ball across the box, try to get it on the floor rather than up in the air. And I think that that's going to be the challenge for coaches going forward, A, teaching the right technique, and B, coming up with alternative ways to kind of eliminate the head ball that's much more direct. Okay, just to sort of uh, summarize all this, Matt, and again, I appreciate you taking the time this morning to come on and talk about this obviously very important topic, but basically, as of right now, uh, the, there is no 
protective headwear, headgear that is shown to really prevent concussions uh, in soccer, just like in football. Um, kids today are uh, being told not to head balls under the age of 10 or 12 uh, because obviously there are concerns about repetitive concussions and quite frankly kids at that age uh, are not really equipped yet to know how to how to do this technique properly. Um, three, uh, I don't think, as you just said, I don't think anybody is at the point now where they want to eliminate heading from the game from the sport, uh, but clearly there are alterations, as you just said, that are taking place at the high school and uh, youth and, and club level to get kids to understand there are other ways to perhaps direct the ball without using their head. Uh, is that all f- fair to say? It all sounds good. Rup- that, sound, that, sounds, that sounds about right. It's going to be an issue that's going to be a hot topic uh, for the next uh, year or two. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Hey, Matt Allen, look, it's always great to to catch up with you, and and I really do thank you for taking time this morning. I I know you've got some activities lined up with your family uh, this morning, so I'll let you get back to that. But thank you for sharing your thoughts and opinions on this uh, unbelievably important topic uh, with kids. I appreciate it. When you you decide to become the commissioner of youth sports, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Matt. Uh, you know, I, as you just heard, Matt Allen, he knows his stuff, and obviously it's the reason why he's so successful uh, at Byram Hills and has won so many Section 1 championships and New York State championships. So he, he's, he's the real deal. Uh, you know, it's funny. You know, back in my day, soccer used to be the safe sport. It was seen as like an alternative sport for, for kids who wanted to avoid serious knee injuries in football or head injuries. And back when I was growing up, if you injured your knee – Let's say you got an ACL playing football. Well, your athletic career was pretty much over since medical science back then really had not developed any kind of efficient or surgical technique to correct ACLs. And as such, lots of lots of moms and dads gently push their kid into playing soccer instead of football. In fact, I can even recall after my freshman year in college when I did play football, I had a serious conversation uh, with my parents about just focusing on playing baseball since I, I did have hopes of someday playing pro ball. And I knew that if I suffered a knee injury playing football, that I could probably just forget about baseball as well. And of course, back then, there was never any conversation at all about head injuries, either from football or from soccer or from any other sport. Look, concussions existed. They've always have existed. But we didn't know about the long-term effects as we do today. You just... Back then, if you got a concussion, you got your bell rung, you came out of the game for a few plays, you waited until your head cleared, and then you told your coach you were okay, and you went back into the game. We now know that's pretty much the worst thing a kid can do. And for sports parents today, just another concern that you need to be aware of if your youngster wants to play soccer and enjoys or loves you know, heading the ball. So, again, these concussion concerns keep swirling around, and it's a real problem. And by the way, before I... Before I wrap up the, this morning's show, you have heard me talk numerous times about the growing need for a commissioner of youth and amateur sports and, and to be an independent overseer of sports in this country. And it seems that more and more top college football coaches are beginning to feel the same way. Listen to this. Iowa's Kirk Ferenz, who is the nation's longest tenured FBS head coach, he said this past week that he's concerned as he's ever been about the path that college football is on right now. Quote, I think we're in a really precarious place, said Ferenz, who's now entering his uh, 24th season at Iowa's head coach. There's just a lot of vagueness, a lot of uncertainty, 
We really don't have a firm structure. We don't have a basic set of operating rules. I don't think anybody right now can really explain the NIL, the name, image, and likeness policy, in detail. What you can and what you can't do, I know you can't entice recruits, but it sure seems like maybe that's just going on a little bit, and that's just a lack of overall clarity. Quote, we need some intervention, and then my bigger concern is, who's going to do it, right? Where's it going to come from? Where is that leadership going to come from? Because right now we're all busy. And by the way, Pat Fitzgerald, the longtime coach of Northwestern, fully agreed with Coach Ferenz. Game of the field's never been better, but once you walk off the field, it's never been more chaotic. Friends, <laughs> that's my point. The NCAA is becoming less of a factor. We know that. We need to get a new commissioner of youth and amateur sports in this country. And the sooner, the better. It's just the tip of the iceberg. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 